The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz with your whose servants, girls, you've been... 
you've been working with. He's a kinsman redeemer of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself. Put on your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in a good spirit. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. What an amazing love story. I read this story over and over because it's the Pentecost story. It's when the two loaves of bread are waved in the tabernacle, the Jewish and the Gentile loaf of bread lifted up before the Lord. The harvest is on. And Boaz represents Jesus. And we win his favor as we come and lie at his feet and wait on him. Oh, what an amazing story. But we're in trouble. I want to talk about that briefly. Welcome You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening today. Please, if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. The more subscriptions, the further the reach will go as Google will spread the word about us. I want to to express the deep concern of my heart today. Very few today have a passion to pray. I remember when the love of my life came, I could not stop talking to her and listening to her. We were together constantly, touching, holding, talking. When there's a passion in our heart for Jesus, the spirit of prayer comes upon us. And all we want to do is talk with Jesus and listen to him as he responds. But many, I find, in the Christian church today have no passion to pray. 
They don't believe anything will happen anyway. They pray, but they're not passionate prayers of of deep feeling and knowledge that God is hearing them and will answer their prayer. They see no change in the physical realm. This has to change. God is about to bring revival to America, but he needs a praying people who will stand faithful before him, who will walk clean, because Jesus wants to come again, and he is coming very soon. He is at the door, even at the door. Jesus is coming again. I praise him. I worship him. I love him, but not nearly as much as he loves me. It's a, it's a love affair that ends in marriage. I want to read today several passages of Scripture that I think will warm your heart. Boaz, Ruth chapter 4, went to the town gate and sat there with the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned, came along. Boaz says, come over here, my friend, sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi has come back from Moab. She's selling the piece of land that belonged to her brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I'm next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Oh, I want to tell you. Jesus Christ endangered his own estate by what he did at Calvary's tree. But he was victorious, and he won in righteousness and in love and purity. He said, I will redeem man. And he did. Boaz announced to the elders and all the people today, you are witness that I have bought from Naomi all the property. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Milan's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today, you are witness. And the elders and all of those at the gate said, We are witness. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you have standing and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez 
when Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Now that son was the, became the father later of Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of David, King David. And Jesus came in direct line. Ruth became a great, 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 great grandmother to Jesus Christ. What an amazing love story. And Naomi, she was bitter. She came back empty. She believed that El Shaddai had had somehow cheated her, mistreated her, stolen from her. But the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not let you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. And Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. They named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I want you to see that the Lord even ministered to Naomi. He redeemed her from her bitterness. He provided for her. And most of all, he provided for Ruth. For now Ruth had a husband, a wealthy husband who could care for her and the child and take care of Mama too. It's a love story that just won't stop because it represents what Jesus has done for you and me. He is coming again. Jesus is coming again. He has not left us as orphans. He has not cast us aside. I want to read for you today a number of passages of Scripture. I'm going to begin... Where should I begin? You know what? I'm going to begin in Revelation, and then we're going to go back and pick up some other scriptures. Please just relax. Listen. Hear the good news. Revelation 19, verse 6. 
And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude and as a sound of many waters and as a sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigned. May we be glad and may we rejoice and we will give the glory to him for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride kept herself in readiness and it was given to her that she may clothe herself with fine linen, bright and clean and pure because the fine linen garment is the righteous state of the holy ones. That's what we're going to say. We're going to say hallelujah. I want to go to John 14. I'll begin reading with verse 1. Your heart must not be troubled. You must believe in God and you must believe in me. There are many dwelling places in my father's house. And if it were not, as I've told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Even if I may go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know where I'm going and you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how are we to be able to know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then over here in the book of Matthew, Matthew, the 24th chapter, I'll begin reading at verse 32. Now you must learn this parable from the fig tree. When already its branches may be made tender and the leaves may be put forth, you know that the summer is near. So also, You, when you may see all these things, you must understand that it is near at the door. Truly, I say to you, this very generation may by no means pass away until all these things may have happened. What generation? The generation, my generation, that saw the Jewish people return to Israel. That was the starting block for the coming of Jesus Christ. And we are witnessing now tremendous fulfillment of prophecy throughout the earth. Some of it terrifying. We're watching America turn from a democracy into a a dictatorship. We're seeing the freedoms stolen away. People will no longer be allowed to fly on airplanes or travel on trains if they don't have a vaccination. But they've committed no crime. They're not sick. This is what tyranny is called. This is what Germany under Hitler became. We're seeing it repeated now. 
verse 35, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but my words may by no means pass away. Now about the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of the heavens, except the Father only. But just as the days of Noah were, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as they were in the days before the flood, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and swept away every person, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. At that time two men will be in the field, the one is taken and the other is left. Two are grinding at the mill, one is taken and the other is left. So you must keep on being watchful, because you do not know at what hour your Lord is coming. I can tell you he's coming. I expect him in my lifetime. I expect him today. Jesus is coming. There is absolutely no prophetic reason for why Jesus cannot come today. We're right there at the door. It's all been fulfilled. Now, there are events that are going to transpire after Jesus cracks open the sky and comes in glory with the trumpet call and the dead in Christ are raised. It's coming. (laughs) Now, I want to read another scripture for you. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, I'm going to begin reading in chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the corruptible inherit the incorruptible. Now you pay attention. I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this corruptible may put on incorruption and this mortal may put on immorality, immortality, then will be brought to pass the word having been written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Now the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, the one giving us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my beloved brethren, you must be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Then there's that wonderful passage in Second Peter. Second Peter, I'll begin reading in the third chapter at verse 10. 
But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements being burned up will be destroyed. Both the earth and the works in it will be consumed by fire. Consequently, all these things being destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godly acts, expecting and eagerly desiring the arrival of the day of God, because of which the heavens being on fire will be destroyed, and the elements being burned up are melted. But according to his promise, we expect a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, while expecting these things, you must make every effort to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. In fact, you must regard the the patience of our Lord as for salvation, even as our own beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom having been given him, wrote to you, as also in his letters speaking in them concerning these things in which are some things hard to understand, which things the ignorant and the unstable twist, so also other scriptures to their own destruction. What's he referring to? The same thing Jude was talking about. They were all concerned about this antinomianism, the anti-law, the anti-righteousness, the sinning Christian. It's such a detestable, ugly heresy against the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing beforehand, you must guard yourselves, lest that, having been led away by the air of the lawless ones, the sinning Christian ones, you may fall from your own steadfastness. Now you must grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Now, there's a passage in 1 John. I want to read that for you as well. It's 1 John, and it's the third chapter. Are you enjoying just listening to these incredible scriptures about Jesus coming in the clouds of glory? I look for Jesus like a man would look for his lover or a woman would look for her lover. Our hearts have to be ready to receive him. First John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. You must take notice what sort of love the Father has given to us so that we may be called children of God. Because of this, the world does not know us, since it knew him not. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it's not yet made known what we shall be, but we know we know that if at any time he may be manifest, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. 
And everyone having this hope in him purifies himself just as that one is pure. Everyone doing the sin also continues doing the lawlessness. In fact, the sin is lawlessness. And you know that the one was manifested so that he may take away our sins. Indeed, there is no sin in him. Do you hear? You can't be in sin and in Jesus at the same time because no sin can enter into Jesus. Verse 6, everyone who continues remaining in him does not keep on sinning. Everyone sinning has not seen him, neither has he known him. Little children, you must not let anybody deceive you. The one continually doing the righteousness is righteous, just as that one is righteous. The one continually doing the sin is out of the devil, because the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Everyone having been born out of God does not continue to sin, because his seed continues to remain in him. And he is not able to keep on sinning, because he's been born out of God. You know, there's no desire in my heart to walk in any rebellion against Jesus. There used to be. I used to love things of darkness. I don't anymore. I hate them. They rankle my soul and my heart. I want Jesus. I don't want the devil. I don't want the flesh. I don't want the world. I want Jesus. But, and I'll be very frank with you today. I've been struggling with an issue for quite a number of years. And the Lord has finally brought it home to me in a very powerful way. When I come on the radio, I'm very unvarnished. I'm vulnerable. I'm very straight. I'm clean. I'm clear. I confront sin. When I'm living in my regular life, when I'm not on the air, I tend to be a person who just seeks peace. I'm a person who, frankly, does not like conflict. I don't like to fight. Now, that sounds like a good thing, and many times it is a good thing. The problem comes when that becomes a pleasing nature. And I've gotten in a lot of trouble for that. I have friends people that I have loved and trusted. And then I come on the radio and I'm very honest and frank and open. And they hear something much stronger on the radio than they heard from me personally. 
and they become offended and they cut me off. They break friendship. They disappear. One man even changed his phone number, forbid his wife to ever call me or talk with me. Won't let his children talk with me. Just utterly cut off. Why? Well, part of what happens with a pleasing nature is you try to avoid conflict. But you can only avoid conflict for so long. And if that conflict is not dealt with, it'll finally come bursting out into the open and you'll have a street fight. And then people will be broken. So I've been a pleaser. And the Lord has been working with me on this now for some years. I no longer desire to be a pleaser for any person. I desire peace. I don't want war. I don't want conflict. But the one I want peace with is Jesus. And so as I look for his coming and I look for the intimacy of the relationship with Jesus, I cannot be ashamed of him before people. Now, if I hold back what I believe and what I know and what I think so as not to offend someone, then I have to keep in my memory that I've not talked with this person about this, lest they become angry and break the relationship. That's happened to me many times. I am absolutely committed to being the same person here on the radio that I am in my private personal life. I don't want to have to memorize what I say, where I go. No, I want to be straightforward because Jesus is coming again, and I want to be passionate about Jesus. Please hear me as I say this and understand, don't be offended, but hear me for what I'm saying. I treasure every one of you who gives to support this radio ministry. But I will not withhold from you the truth spoken to me by the Holy Spirit in order not to offend you so that you will continue giving to this ministry. I make a pledge with you. I will never do that. And there are some people who come and their concern is a specific area. And they want me to become excited also about that specific area of theology or truth. And when I don't become excited about that, and I instead speak very bluntly to them about Jesus is everything for me. I'm not going to argue about, is there a secret rapture? Does Jesus come more than once? I'm going to find all of that out. I don't think you know, and I know I don't know. Do you know when Jesus is coming? 
I've studied carefully the scriptures all of my life. All I can tell you today is he is coming and I'm expecting him today. I will expect him every day until the day I die. But I expect to be alive when he returns. So I'm not going to be drawn off in minor arguments. I'm not going to be drawn off to pursue a psychotherapeutic approach to healing. No, I'm going to call you to get right with Jesus, to repent, and allow the Holy Spirit to heal your broken heart. In other words, if I really believe Jesus is coming, how can I be in any way not sharing with you the real passion and belief in my heart and cry aloud to the Lord for you? It breaks my heart when when I'm at a prayer meeting and people sit there dumb before God. Don't open their mouths. Don't cry aloud. Don't passionately weep over the lost and the dying, over their own condition. There's a comfortableness that that a pleasing personality has about themselves. There's a lukewarmness. We have to lose that. Jesus is coming again. So I've made a covenant with the Lord. I will not chase people. I will invite. But I'm going to be a straight shooter in my private world and in my public world if there is such a difference. I come on the radio and you know what you're going to hear from me. You're going to hear a call to righteousness. You're going to be confronted. You're going to be told about the wonders and the glories of loving Jesus Christ and and basking in his love for you. But I'm also going to tell you, as it says here in in 1 John, the third chapter, if you continue in sin, you're a son of the devil. It has to be broken. And the only way it's broken is if you die to it. And the miraculous power of God comes into your life and transforms you and removes from your heart the lust for that sin, whatever that sin is. Now, we're not real popular. It's okay. I'm eager for these broadcasts to go out and spread like the leaves of autumn. But it's in Jesus' hands, not my hands. So I don't need to come up with a better marketing tool. I need to spend more time on my knees in the prayer closet, crying out to God. I need to spend time making certain that I'm not walking as a pleaser with any man. Let's say a man gives $2,000 a month. Should I treat him any different than the precious soul who gives $20 or $10 a month? No. We each give as the Holy Spirit moves in us. 
Maybe you're not aware of this, but pastors by and large, well, I'm, I'm shy of saying this, but I'm going to, pastors by and large love their mothers more than their fathers. And by and large, they're pleasers. Now, there are some who are not, and I praise God for them. But even those men who are not will become pleasers to their denomination rather than to the scriptures. I think of an Air Force officer who became a pastor, a straight shooter, a wonderful guy, very successful in his ministry. But he compromised his beliefs to align with the denomination that he was a part of. He pleased his bishop. He pleased the officers of his church. They were very happy with him because he only preached for 15, at max, 20 minutes. You know, I look at this picture of the modern church and my heart just breaks. And it breaks in part because of the part I've shared in that wickedness of pleasing, of not being honest about the conditions necessary to meet Jesus. And I tell you, Jesus is coming again, and we must meet the conditions if we are going to enter into that kingdom above. We've got to forsake being pleasers and deal with conflict in a healthy way by saying exactly what we feel, what we know, what our position is, and then let it rest right there. We don't need to fight with anybody. We don't need to argue with anybody. But we have to be constant in prayer and witness. So I'm covenanting with you. I will not be a pleaser on the air with you, and I will not be a pleaser in person. Will I be kind? Yes. Will I be gentle? As I can be. Will I be straight? Like an arrow. And we're in trouble in the church, and I'm, you've heard me say this before. In the church today, very, very few have any real concern about their heart's condition. Most feel self-satisfied. They feel safe. They feel like they're saved. I don't know what they think they're saved from when they continue to walk in sin but they think they're safe and they're saved and they're not. They're still walking in the lust of the world. They're still walking in the world's entertainment. They satisfy themselves with the rituals of the church, with the church calendar. And they go about their life business like the worldly people do. And they're not saved. They're lost. 
I call you today to consciously go before the Lord and begin to ask him to put a deep, convicting passion in your heart to be clean before God, to be utterly given over to the Lord Jesus Christ, to not play with darkness, to not be stubborn and hard-hearted, to not be judgmental, to not call other people names that are that are wicked. I grew up in a family with two older brothers and parents that I considered as a child to be very dangerous for me. I was often beat up. I was often severely punished. And the result was I was trained from a very early age that safety was pleasing. You please the boss so you don't get fired. You please your pastor so he'll love you. You please your wife or your husband so that they'll continue to be in relationship with you. I ask one man, and he'll laugh because he's listening. I ask, is your wife a pleaser? Yes, probably. And you're a pleaser. Yes, probably. (laughs) I said, you know what you're missing? You're missing the fun of making up after you've disagreed. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? This Christian walk has to be real. It has to be walked out in practice. It has to be walked out with confidence in our Savior Jesus. And I meet some people who are so brittle. What do I mean? If you say anything they disagree with, they just, they can't handle it. They're going to break. And they'll cut you off. And they'll end the friendship. And I've come to a point in my life where I can't spend time with people like that. I call them to come to Jesus, to give up their arrogant brittleness, but they have to decide if they're going to do that. Some of you don't want to forgive. You're angry. And you have just reason to be angry, perhaps. But angry people are not going to enter into the kingdom of God. Brittle people who easily break and shatter and cut off, are not going to enter the kingdom of Jesus. It's that simple. So where are you today? Where is your heart? Are you a pleaser? Are you a doormat? I'm not a doormat on the radio. I... Say it straight and clean. But I basically live my life as a doormat. I've taken 
all kinds of harshness from others and not confronted them, been the peacemaker. But that's a false peace. It's not a real peace. And finally, that person will break and cut you off. And then you have the pain and the sadness of the loss. Ducking conflict does not bring peace. Peace comes as two people come and talk honestly about their feelings, about what they want in Jesus. And then walk with one another, allowing for the differences, forgiving one another, being compassionate with one another, letting love cover over a multitude of sins, but being straight as an arrow. This is what I believe. And I know today Jesus is coming again and the wedding feast of the Lamb is being prepared. And I want to be at that table. I don't want anything in my heart or my life to stand in my way and block me from entering into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to be a pleaser to win a person to support the broadcast. I'm not going to be a pleaser. I'm going to say it straight and honest. And that in itself will lift up Jesus Christ and bring praise and honor and glory to his name. Well, Pentecost is here. The harvest is on. Will you enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Or will you just be able to enter into a worldly church and be kept out of the kingdom of heaven? Oh, Lord, I plead with you today that you would take every ounce of pleasing nature from me that you would make me like Jeremiah straight as an arrow, proclaiming your word with joy and with tears. For you are the Almighty. Lord, thank you for each who has listened. I pray that you have moved in their hearts and that you call them to righteousness today, to to no longer run from conflict, but to share honestly how they feel and what they believe about you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're coming to the very end of the month, and we're still several thousand dollars away from where we need to be to pay the radio bill. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, would you would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 
2215. You can also go online. And thank you to all of those of you who've written to me. Thank you to all of those who have given online. I am humbled by your generous response to the call of the Holy Spirit. You can give online. Um, You'll find podcasts there. You'll find videos, vlogs. I pray today that you will settle in your heart that you're going to belong to Jesus Christ and that he alone is the one you will try to please. That you will be honest with him and not lie to him. That you will not pray for things that you don't really want. That you will pour your heart out to him with integrity. That you will be bold about Jesus and bold in your prayers. That you will not be denied because you believe in Jesus Christ and his promises are sure. Well, my brother, my sister, tomorrow will be a day of prayer. He's coming. Jesus is coming. Do you get that? Normal life is over. We're at the end of time. And Jesus is coming again. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.